In the latest release of the SharePoint framework version 1.15, Microsoft ditched TSLint in favor of ESLint. And while this is a big improvement and a step in the right direction, I think that Microsoft might have gone a little overboard as they added a ton of additional linting rules that we didn't have to deal with before. The point of this video is to see how to cope with some of the common ESLint rules that you're going to likely encounter when you migrate your existing SharePoint Framework projects over to the latest version 1.15 of the SharePoint Framework. I'll show you how to understand what a linting error is telling you, how to change your code, or how to ignore the rule throughout your projects. But there's one more thing that I want to do during this video. As I said, I think that Microsoft went a little overboard with these rules with respect to ESLint. And while I like ESLint, what I don't like is that every single default project that I create now with the SharePoint framework or any tool for that matter is now going to impose any coding rules on me that are entirely subjective. I'd prefer if the rules that they did include were scaled back and more minimal. And let me add the rules that I want to add for my organization's coding standards, because right now, you either have to change how you like to write your code and your standard practices at your organization, or you're gonna to have to edit every single project that you create to use these new default rules. And personally, I don't like this. So this will be how my opinionated, how to use ESLint in your SharePoint framework projects is gonna come across. Welcome back to the Voitanos podcast. I'm Andrew Connell. This episode is also available as a blog post on Voitanos.io and as a video on the Voitanos YouTube channel at Voitanos.tv. Check the show notes for links to these other options. Let me show you what I'm going to start with here. So I've got a project that I uh, have in my, my SharePoint framework course um, that demonstrates how to use uh, uh, React hooks in a SharePoint framework project. And so what this one's doing here, this is all written with 1.14. So what I did is I, I created a copy of this or created a brand new project um, and I, that's going to do the same thing, but I'm doing it using the SharePoint framework version 1.15. So what I want to show you here is let me jump over to a tool that I have that does a little bit of a, it's doing a diff between the two projects. So we can see how much of a difference there are, there is between these two projects. And for the most part, there's not a whole lot. We did see things like this TSLint JSON file. This has been deleted from 1.14. So you can see up here where it shows us the 1.14 version on the uh, left side. And on the right side, that's where it's using the 1.15 version over here. So we can see that this TSLint JSON file only exists in um, the 1.14 project. What we do have though is we have this new file called the eslintrc.js file. And that's gonna be in the root of our project. And you can see that this is set up here to go ahead and load in some stuff on our project um, out, of the, out of the box. Um, so it's just setting a couple little things. We'll, we'll come back and look at that in a second. One of the other changes that we see here that's big with uh, this version of the, uh, from going from 1.14 to 1.15 is you'll notice that there's nothing really much in the dependencies here because that's all really coming from um, uh, the different version, from going from one version to the next version of the SharePoint framework. So a couple little minor things change there, like uh, a little bit of React stuff, a little bit of um uh, from 1.12 to 1.14, a couple different versions of the project there. Um, but what is interesting here is you'll see that we have a couple changes here, um, specifically these, these three that you see that are listed. Um, and then there's another one on line 33, where we've got a um, ESLint config um, package. We've got a um, plugins for SPFX and a configuration for SPFX. Notice that two of those are coming from the Microsoft um, 
uh, scope. And one of them is coming from the Rush Stack Scope. Rush is a tool that Microsoft uses to handle the uh, the entire build tool chain for the SharePoint framework, but they do it for a lot of other stuff. So Microsoft has taken a dependency or the SharePoint framework team has taken a dependency on this tool called Rush uh, that uh, that we use um, in the SharePoint framework. And so you're going to see a bunch of the rules are coming from rules that they define. Um, and then furthermore, we also have this uh, React Hooks um, extension as well, or plugin that's added in for ESLint. So to start off really quick, what I want to do is let's come over to our project and let's go into that um, CSWP uh, 1.14. And I want to make sure that I'm using the correct version of uh, Node. So in this case here, I'm using 16. So I'm going to switch it over to use uh, version 14. I use a tool called the Node Version Manager and it allows me to have different versions of Node installed. This one I know has got the right version of Node. Um, in this case, you can see it's version 14.19.3. So what I'm going to be able to do with this is we take a look at the project. I've already downloaded all of the NPM packages. So I'm just going to say gulp build. And what this is going to do is it's going to build the project, but it's also going to run the entire linting process as well. So let's see what it looked like when we had TS lint on a project that didn't have any issues with it. Okay, so we can see that the TS Lint task started. Uh, we see it used TS Lint 5.12, and we see that it finished right, uh, right here after about five seconds. No issues were reported. So we're in pretty good shape right here. We don't have to worry about too much. Now, let's switch this up. Let's go back. And all I did was take the exact same project, right? If I come back over here and I look at the source folder, um, you can see that what changes have I done to this project? Well, the only thing, if we look at the TypeScript file for the, the web part itself, you can see that there's really nothing here. There's this read-only theme that was added by Microsoft uh, for a lot of the theming stuff that they added. Um, that came from 1.14, I think. Um, and then they've also added in uh, an on init method that you see here as well. So those are two things that were added to 1.15 that we didn't have in the older version of the project here. But for the most part, um, it's basically the same thing. You can see I'm importing some references here. Those aren't listed here because I have them listed actually down here, which are mirroring these two lines. Okay, so let's now see what like the default like linting errors that we're going to see from our project. So let me jump back and go to the 1.15 version of this project. I need to also switch over to the version of NPM or uh, of Node, uh, Node 16 that this project was built with. So latest and greatest. All right, cool. So let's start over with this and let's make sure we've got our node modules um, already installed for this one as well. So I'll say gulp build. And now let's see what we get from this out of the box. All right. So you can see we got a handful of errors that pop up. So if I scroll back, let's just, just to confirm that we're using ESLint, um, we can see we're starting our linting task and we're using ESLint version 8.7, which is a fairly current version. And we get a bunch of linting errors that show up, but then it shows up at the very end. It's going to list all those out as well. So if I open this up a little bit, a little bit easier to read these with the, um, if they're all on one line. So we got a couple of things like no, no explicit any. So we can't use an any type, it says. We have to specify a different type. We'll look at that in a second. Consistent type assertions. A couple of things here. We also got this JSX no bind. We've got no unused variables. JSX no bind as well. No unused variables. Okay. So we got a few uh, linting errors that we're going to have to deal with here. But I want to add in a couple additional scenarios here that I think are common that you're going to find in your projects. So let me come back. Let me come over to my project here. 
let's open this up and let's actually get it to force a few more um, of these linting errors to pop up. So what I'm going to do is just make this a little bit bigger. And I'm going to start by coming over here into my uh, services. All right, so let's add a few things to our service here. So one of the things I'm gonna to wanna to do is I'm gonna go ahead and add a constructor. So I'm gonna say uh, constructor, and I'm gonna use this accessor, a private accessor that's gonna just say it's some string equals hello world, like that. So what is that doing? Well, this is a TypeScript like shorthand. What this code is doing under the covers is it's creating a private member variable called um, uh, some string. And it's adding that to this class. And then it's going to set the value of that inside the constructor. So this code right here is the equivalent of me writing something like private or sorry. Uh, yeah, private some string is a string. And we'll put that in, just initialize it to nothing. And then I'll say constructor arg, which is a string. And I'll say this some string equals arg. So this code right here is identical to the code right above it. This is what it's going to essentially be transpiled to. So I don't want to, I'm not going to use this right now. I'm just going to go ahead and comment that out. But I want you to see like this is going to trigger some, some errors that we have. So notice we're on four, error, uh, line 432. So another thing that we're going to do here is let me come over to our web part and let me add in a few things to our web part here. So some common things that you would end up wanting to do with this. Like, let's say, for example, that you wanted to get the current title of the current site. So I'll just create a new member variable called my current site title. Um, and then inside of that, I'm going to want to do something like uh, after the on init, let's add in a method here that's called um, get this. It's called get the site title. It's going to return back a string as a promise. Um, it's an asynchronous uh, method here. And so what I'm going to do is call this dot context SPHP client dot get. I'm going to look and get the title of the current site that I'm on. Um, when I get that response back, it's just a raw response. So the first thing I have to do is I have to call JSON uh, to convert the body of that to JSON that I can work with. And that's also um, gonna be done as a promise. So I'm gonna return that back as a promise and then I'm gonna grab the title property out of that because that's the only property that I requested. And then to be able to use this, well, I'll do something like say, this current site title equals await um, this dot get site title like that. Um, and to be able to use that await, I need to go through and decorate this guy with an async, right? So make life a little bit easier. I could do it with a promise as well and use like a then promise if I wanted to on this, but um, I'm not doing that in this case. Actually, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do that. I'll show you another. It'll actually allow me to show you something else. So get the site title uh, and then in the then part of the promise. So this is the site title, which is going to be a string. I'll then say this dot um, current site title equals site title. Okay, so we're in good shape there. All right, now that we've done this, let's go back and let's see our linting error. So this time I'll just do it right inside of the terminal in our, in our existing client, and I'll just do a gulp build. Okay, so we've got a bunch of errors that are popping up here. So let's go ahead and start looking at some of these. So first we're gonna start off with is this no explicit any. So what is this? So iMission TS, TS lines nine and 10. So what does that mean? Unexpected any, specify a different type. Well, that's gonna be kind of easy for me to look at because I look at this and it shows that I've got an any type that's listed. 
generally not a great practice to do this, but sometimes you kind of need to do this. And I think that in this case here, it's really going to be up to you. What do you want to do? Um, well, first of all, there's a couple things that you can do how you can address this. So one thing you can do to address this is I can turn off the linting for this file, uh, everything in this file, by just going and adding a comment to the top of the file. And I could say eslint dot or dash disable. And what that will do is that will turn off linting for the entire file. So if I rerun uh, gulp build, we'll see that that error is going to go away from my e from my I uh, mission file. And sure enough, we can see that it's gone. Well, that's not really ideal. Maybe I just want to go through and get rid of it for this these these two lines right here. And so one of the things I could say is I could put in this ESLint disable. So let's say I wanted to disable just this one rule instead of everything with ESLint. And what I could do there is by saying ESLint disable and then pass in this um, the actual uh, uh, linting error that I want or linting rule that I wanted to ignore. So I could turn it off for... Uh, an entire block by doing a disable and then turn it back on here by saying, go ahead and turn it back on. So now if I go through and I run gulp build, it should still not show up, but we can see how we're disabling it from showing up. And we can see that as it finishes here, it's missing. It's not even showing up our I mission uh, TypeScript class. Okay. So that's another way we can disable it. An yet another way we can disable it is that we can just disable it for a particular line. So I could do it as a disable line and do this as just a comment on this one line. So this way we should see our ESLint um, error for this uh, any, the any, the any rule should only show up one time, not twice. It should show up for line 10, not, not, not line nine. And sure enough, you can see here that it's showing up for line 10. Okay, well, that's great, but how do I actually fix this? So one of the ways that I can actually fix this, instead of disabling this rule, one of the ways that I can fix this, if I come over here, I can actually define something for these two objects. Well, the crew object I know it has a very specific type. And what I can do is by drop in this uh, iCrew option right here and then take iCrew and assign it over here because that's the correct data type that we have. But on the vehicles, I don't really know what this is. And to be able to define a type of anything, well, I can't use the any keyword, but a way to get around it is to say, create a new interface here of an I anything. It's going to be any name that I want it to be. And I'll just say it can have any string as a property. And that's going to also evaluate to an object. So any, it can have any property that's going to evaluate to a string. And now when I go through and set it here, what we'll see is this is this is kind of like cheating because what this is doing is this is saying, I'm going to create an interface just to make the rule go away. But I don't know about you. As I look at this, you can see our rules going away here, but I don't know about you, but as I look at this, that is a, a lot harder to read. At least that one's a lot harder to read than these two things are. So I kind of have to leave this one up to you. Does this make sense to even go, uh, go through with this? I don't know. I mean, that's going to be up to you. Um, let's look at some of these other ones here that we have. We've got one here for online uh, five for mission service about a consistent type assertion. See where it says use as I mission instead of I mission. So what is that? Well, let me go ahead and let's grab this real quick and let me open up my browser and let's do a search for this consistent type uh, assertion that's coming from TypeScript ESLint. And so what I'm going to do is let's go take a look at what this is, what this is saying 
And what I can see in this rule is that it's effectively telling me that it aims to standardize the use of assertion styles across the entire code base. In other words, let's go back to our code. If I come over here to my mission service, it doesn't like the fact that I'm using these angle brackets here to define the array of objects that are inside this giant JSON, uh, this giant JSON array here that I have. Instead, what it wants me to do, in this case here, it doesn't want me to use angle brackets because it says, you know, hey, because React actually uses angle brackets in, in, uh, in TSX or JSX, probably not a good idea to use it in casting as well. So to make sure things don't get screwed up, then you should not use that style of casting. You should use that style of casting. Okay. I mean, is that that big of a deal? Well, I mean, I guess to them, to Microsoft it is, or at least to the default setting that we have in an SPFX project. But I don't know. That one's going to kind of be up to you. You got to figure out if you want to do that. But you can see here we got rid of that one that was on line five. So we're getting a little bit farther down. We're, we're doing better. We still got a boatload of yellow here that we got to work on. We got 15 warnings showing up. So let's see what else we can do with this. Um, explicit member accessibility. Mis uh, the mission uh, accessibility modifier or definition of the constructor. What does that mean? Well, what that's telling me here is that it doesn't want my constructor to have no accessor defined. In TypeScript, I don't have to define it. I can leave it just the way it is right now, and that's assumed that it's going to be public. If I wanted it private, I got to mark it as private. But what this rule is telling me is that I really need to say, be explicit in what I want to do. In my opinion, that's kind of a garbage rule because yes, you should do that, but if the language supports certain things and for different shorthand things, they do it for a reason to make my life a little bit easier. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that rule at all. I would like to disable that one. But I'll show you here. We had 15 a second ago. Where are we going to be now? We're down to 14. Okay, cool. So we got that one done. Uh, what is the next one? Expected a type annotation on 432. On another thing on 432, no parameter properties. And a name. it doesn't like my naming convention. So it really doesn't like a lot of my issues I've got here. So let's go. Let's look at, those, at that code. What is this telling me? Well, first of all, no parameter properties. It doesn't like the fact that I can use this little shorthand in TypeScript to put private before an argument so it can I don't have to write all of this code out. I don't know about you, but the code on line 432 is a lot easier for me to read than it is having to go through and read on four, the one that I have highlighted from 434 to 437. Not a fan of this one, but okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll get rid of that code and I'll switch it over to this. And then I'll say it doesn't like the way I'm defining my properties because it says a private variable or private member should always start with an underscore. That's what the thing here about the naming convention. So some string must have at least one underscore because it's private. Like, okay, <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that, but whatever. Um, it also didn't like the fact that in this case up here where one of the errors that it was telling me is if we open it back up, it was saying uh, type def and expected a type annotation. Well, what does that mean? That's telling me right here when I made this, this, de this declaration, even though all of us can look at this and say, well, clearly some string is a string because I'm assigning a string to it as the default value. But the rule that they've chosen to use here says, nope, you have to put a type definition on everything. So I should have written it like that. I don't know about you, but I think that's a little absurd because now I've got more stuff to read, more mental comprehension that I've got to go through. When as, whereas before, 
I think that that was sufficient to say, I know it's going to be a string, whatever. But hey, now that we're doing it like this, it's all going to work. Save my changes. Come back over here and run gulp build. And we should have knocked out, what, maybe three of our different warnings. So we should be down to about 11, I think, 12 or 11. Oh, what did it not like? Some string doesn't exist. Did you mean some string? Is that because, oh, yeah, it's because we changed the name of it right there to put an underscore in front of it. Okay, so we'll try it one more time. Now we're down to 12. Okay, getting better. Now, mission service. What else doesn't it like? Oh, member accessibility again. Modifier on the constructor. Oh, there you go. That's why we only have 12 and not it's a public constructor. Um, so that'll go down from 12 down to 11 warnings in just a minute. Okay, cool. Now, the next thing we want to look at, ah, we got stuff with our web part. All right, let's look at this. Um, no unused very unused variables. Oh, that's easy. What is that telling me? That's telling me that, hey, you're importing something and you're defining this thing called I read only theme and you're not using it. So go ahead and get rid of it. Okay, I'm not going to use it now. So I'll just go ahead and delete it. That's a nice one to have. Kind of keep your code a little bit cleaner. Uh, let's see. So that one should have gone down. We should be at 11. That should be down to 10. Next thing, line 25. Naming convention again. Up should have one leading underscore. That's right. So because we marked this as a private value right here, should have a leading underscore. All right, I'll get rid of that one. So that's fixed. Uh, what do we have? What else do we have here? Uh, let's actually let's clean this up. Let's run it again. We should be down under ten. Started with over fifteen. Going to be under ten now. Nope, didn't like that because somewhere we're using something called current site title. We sure are. It's right here. So I'll save my changes and we will then. Come back. Let's run it one more time. All right, cool. We're down to nine. We're getting there. All right, next thing. No floating promises. A promise must be awaited with an end, uh, end with a call to a catch, end with a call to a then with a rejection handler, or be explicitly marked as ignored with the void operator. What is this complaining about? Basically, what this is telling me is that, hey, you're using a promise coming back with a then and you're not doing anything to catch the error handler. This is the part of where I think ESLint and people using ESLint and linting rules, um, you can make your code better, but you can also not follow the spirit of what the rule is trying to get you to do and instead just try and squash the rule uh, warnings that are popping up. So like, for example, it's telling me that I don't have anything that's catching an exception that happens here. I can make this rule go away by simply adding in a catch that does absolutely nothing. And I can prove that to you by coming over here. Remember we have nine. We have this thing called no floating promises. I run it again. And what you'll see now is that this catch that we just added is gonna get rid of that rule. I got rid of the, of the warning, as you can see here, but in my opinion, that's not following the spirit of what was supposed to be happening there. So. You, some of this stuff, too, is kind of up to you on how you handle it. That's not a good way to handle it, in my opinion. You should have had an error, a warning or an error handler there. Uh, next thing up, what do we got? Line 45. Line 45 is now telling me the naming convention. It doesn't like the fact that it's called get site title. It must have a leading underscore because it's a private. So I'll say, fine. I'll make it called get site title. So I got to go up here and change where I'm calling it. All right, so that'll that'll fix that problem. Next one, no async await. Now this one is this one's really irritating to me. 
this method right here, where is this coming from? So no async await. Let's just actually, let's see how this is actually showing up in the project. That's a better way to look at it. So we can see here this error is coming from a SharePoint framework definition, and it says no async await. The usage of async has overhead when using older browsers. Now, this is one that I got a big issue with, and I may be mistaken, but I think that Microsoft has already, I bugged this one in the SharePoint framework uh, dev docs issues list. And I think Microsoft has already acknowledged the fact that, yeah, we shouldn't have done this, so we've removed it. So we won't see it in a future version of the SharePoint framework. Let me explain to you how this one's kind of stupid, though, if you ask me. Um, and I'm surprised we even had it. So what this one does, if I come over here and I look under the node modules, remember when I, we were looking at the package, all the packages, we have an ESLint uh, plugin SPFX package. And if I look at the library for this and I look at the index.js, let's get rid of this. We can see here I've got a plugin called no async await. So, okay, that's coming from the SharePoint framework ESLint um, configuration. So that's coming from this file here under no sync await, async await. So let's open that up. And what that one's doing here, that is now, there's our no async await rule. There's the message and it says the usage of async has overhead when using older browsers. And that's being defined by the rush stack ESLint plugin. Here's why I think that this rule is a bunch of bull because we're all writing TypeScript. Now, if I scroll down to the very bottom here and I look at the TS config, whenever we build our project, we're targeting ES5. ES5 is from 2009. I got a separate issue with the SharePoint framework guys on why we're still building type JavaScript for 2009 uh, when all of the modern browsers support more recent JavaScript. We don't need to do this. The only reason you need to do that is if you're doing if you're building stuff for IE for Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer is dead. Microsoft doesn't support Internet Explorer again, especially in M365 or SharePoint Online. So there's no reason to do this. I could bump this up to ES6 and get a more recent version of JavaScript. But regardless, the async and await keywords aren't even in ES5 or in ES6. TypeScript is going to compile those keywords down that I'm using in my TypeScript. And you're never going to see async and await in your projects. I can prove this. If I come over here and I say npm or say gulp bundle, that's going to create the JavaScript bundle for my project. That's going to put that into the dist folder. We'll let this finish. So we have a lot less warnings than we did a second ago. Webpack runs. There's our bundle that's being generated right here. And in that bundle, Let's do a quick check. Find async. I'm looking for the keyword async, which should be at the beginning of a function. Load async, that's not one. That's not what I'm looking for. That's not, I should, I'm looking for async to be like right between function and the name and the name of the function. So not there. Nope, still not finding it. Still not finding it. Still not finding it. And that's it. That was all 11. The error that we just saw a second ago, where is it? Let me see if I can find out where we just were. It was under node modules. We we're under at Microsoft, plugin, lib, no async await. It has overhead in using older browsers. We're not even putting it in the bundle, which means that the async keyword isn't even making it to the browser. This rule is absurd. So while it may be gone in future versions of the SharePoint framework, 
I'm going to show you how to turn this thing off completely so you never see this show up again. We have it showing up in a couple places. There's no async await. There, see if we have it in any places else, any other places. Not that I can see. So, how to get rid of it. The way I'm going to get rid of it is I'm going to copy the entire rule like this. I'm going to go to my eslintrc.js file and I'm going to add in a rules prop, a rules uh, collection. And inside this rules collection, I'm going to set up, say that the rule called no async await, I'm going to set it to off. So that now when I run a gulp build, we now see that whole no async await thing is now gone. So cool. I was able to shut that off for the entire project. So I've shown you how to shut off a rule for an entire project. I've shown you how to shut off a rule for an entire file. I've shown you how to do it for an entire block of code. And I've also shown how to do it for a specific line. So you got a couple different ways that you can go through and disable specific rules here. In my mind, Microsoft should get this out of the default projects. All right, let's look at another one. A type def. What is that? Expecting a raw response to have a type annotation. Oh, I know what that is. What that's telling me on line 46 and on 49, uh, we can see it in those two places. If I come over here to 46 and 49, there we go. It's a raw response, but I'm not telling it what kind of data comes back. The data that comes back is an SPHP client response. So I need that value right there. I need to import that, add that to my list of imports like that. Come on here to this guy and add it like that. Um, I then also with the responses coming back from this JSON, I'm getting an any coming back for me, right? So is that any going to be cool? Well, I don't know because I'm not actually giving it a type annotation. So that would have been line 49 right now because I just added some stuff to the import. We see it's now line 52. So what I could do here is I could define a new interface that's going to define what this thing is. Or I could just say that this is some object that has a title property that's of type string. And what that'll do is that'll actually squash that error. So or squash that, that problem here so that now... I'm defining the type of data that I'm expecting to get back so that I can have my IntelliSense on this guy. And you'll see here that it's now gone away. Now I'm back to dealing with the, uh, oh, we'll come back to that in a second. So that's another thing we have to look at is those type definitions. I don't think that we should have to do those. I think that that should be up to us. Um, I think that maybe it could be turned off. Maybe it could be turned on. I don't know. You, you tell me, leave a comment below and let me know if you think that this should be a default thing that we have in our projects. Some people are going to want it. Some people aren't. I would default to not forcing this, not imposing this on people. A um, couple other things that we have here. This one, I think this one's a garbage rule that we shouldn't have to, that should just be removed as well. So line 47 in the mission uh, react component. 47. There we go. Okay. So what this is telling me is I should not have arrow functions inside of my uh, properties for any, or any of my React properties. And if I go look at this error here, so this is coming from a React um, library. I'm gonna copy this and go back to the browser and do a search for it, no bind. So why is it telling me this? And it's saying that it'll create a brand new function for every single render. This is bad for performance as it may cause unnecessary renders, blah, blah, blah. So it tells me that I should not do I should not do things like use bind or use an arrow function. Instead, I should do something like create the function and then call it like this. This is to me, this is really not not necessary. 
Um, using inline functions like this is perfectly fine. This rule is completely outdated. And the reason why for this is that this rule, it comes from a time when arrow functions were not as common as, uh, and, and people use the dot bind syntax that you see like right here. We used this and that was slow, a slow way of doing this. That was a performance issue, but that performance issue has been fixed in Chrome 49. I don't know what you guys are using, but this is not Chrome 49. This is Chrome 43, uh, 103. We're way past that. We're years past that. These are evergreen browsers. So to me, this rule is outdated. We should not have to deal with this. So again, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this guy by grabbing him. And I'm going to go over to my linting rules. And I'm going to turn this off as well. If you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Go read this blog post from 2017 by a guy named Ryan Florence. If you don't know who this guy is, this is the guy that wrote the React router. He's got a, he's got a really good post that ex talks about inline functions and performance. And really the gist of it comes all the way down to what he says here at the end is, write your code naturally, code it to the design, measure your interactions to find slow pass, and he explains how to do it. And then he said it comes down to only optimize the code when he sees that there's slow stuff. If you really believe that premature optimization is a bad practice, then you won't need proof that the inline factions are fast. You need the proof that what you did was slow, not that what you're doing is fast. You can't prove an in, a, a negative. So in this case here, I don't like this rule. I, I agree with what the React guys say. This is outdated. We shouldn't have to deal with this. Um, the rest of the ones that you see here, this is, we have the same thing with the, the props using arrow functions. We, if I go do a gulp build again, you'll see now that I've actually gotten rid of, of all of our errors except for two. I think we're down to two. Yes, these are both uh, no unused variables, and that's inside of my mission list and my React. Because if I go to my mission list, I have uh, styles. I'm not using those. So I can get rid of that. And in my React, I'm using uh, the escape function, and I'm or I have it imported, but I'm not using it. So that now... When I build my project, we'll see that I have no ESLint errors or warnings. And ta-da, everything looks good. So in this video, I wanted you to be able to see like how to deal with some of this stuff, how to figure out what's going on with the, what's going on with some of these roles and where some of them are being defined. But then in addition, I wanted you to learn how to uh, maybe either address the code problems that they're talking about or to figure out how to disable it and move on. What do you think? Now, I've created a discussion item on their issue list to debate this. So I'll leave a link to it in the description below the video. So please take a moment and let Microsoft know what you think, either by simply reacting to the post or by leaving a comment. Now's the time because we might be able to get some things changed before the next SharePoint framework release. What do you think about all these changes with the ESLIN? Do you think that Microsoft went overboard too? Let me know by dropping a comment below and let me know if you want to see more share, uh, videos about the SharePoint framework. And if you like this video, please give me a thumbs up and subscribe by smashing that big red subscribe button below the video so you'll see when I publish more videos for developers on Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Azure topics, including the SharePoint framework. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and I hope you learned something. You got a question or a comment? Let me know what you think by dropping a comment or tweeting me at Andrew Connell or at Voitanos. 
And if you like this episode, I really appreciate it if you would share this episode with your friends. This episode is also available as a blog post on Voitanos.io and as a video on the Voitanos YouTube channel at Voitanos.tv. I've included links in the show notes to these other resources. And don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app to be notified of future episodes.